We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. We've been sitting in, uh, we went through Acts all through last year, and so we're doing kind of a, a rewind to Acts chapter two, and we've been sitting in that all month. Uh, next month, we'll start going through the book of Titus together. There's some interesting stuff in there, so we're real excited about that. Uh, but in Acts chapter two, what we see here at the end of the chapter, verses 42 through 47, is this kind of prototype community of what it looks like once people are empowered by the Holy Spirit, and have lived and seen Jesus at work, uh, and now are striving to live in light of all that. So this is kind of a glimpse of what we get out of that preview. Now, you guys know, you were with us last year, uh, as we went through Acts, it didn't stay like this very long. It wasn't perfect. There's a lot of twists and turns, a lot of ups and downs, Uh, but this is kind of a little snapshot of what it kind of looked like in that moment. And our prayer is, how do we pull from that uh, some models, some examples of how the Spirit wants to work through these people here today? Because it's going to be a little different. We don't have temple courts to go and hang out at every day, right? It's going to look different. Uh, This is not like a prescriptive, do this. But this is the essence of what a community being formed by God together for the sake of others knowing the good news of Jesus could look like. So let's read verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all, as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is God's word. Father, would you help us to hear from you today? To hear your word spoken to us. God, would you help us to see you, your son Jesus, more clearly this morning? God, would you help us to to feel, to really experience the presence of your spirit here? And God, would you help us to, in your power, embody the work that you wish to continue to do in this world today? We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So my mom was here staying with us this last week. She came after the holidays, after Christmas. Uh, Flights were just cheaper then, and so it worked out. And so she came and stayed with us for a few days. And while she was staying with us, uh, I got one day where I got to just take her to breakfast, and then I took her to cultivate. And so on the drive from my house to where I would drop our boys off uh, and then to where I would get to cultivate, it's just a straight shot. It's we, We live off of... Olive, which turns into Dunlap, the more east that we go. And so on that drive, we're, we're going by where the boys' school is at. And she says, oh, that's this place where I used to take your brother to a school. Remember that? And I was like, yeah. Uh, actually, a few years ago, 
it also was this rehab place that I used to take a neighbor who was staying with us. She's like, oh, okay. And so then we keep driving. And then she goes, oh, do you remember this house right here we lived in with the green carpet? And I was like, yeah, that, I point out that little blue duplex to my sons often and say, I, I used to live here one time. Do you remember that I had to sweep the carpet because we didn't have a vacuum cleaner? And she's like, yes, I remember you were always sweeping the carpet. Uh, and then we kept driving and I point over, I say, hey, you remember uh, this little swimming pool here at Cortez Park? She's like, yeah, I used to take you guys there all the time as kids. And I say, yeah, now, uh, or a few years back, we were going there often to have like birthday parties and stuff with a lot of our refugee friends who live across the street. Uh, and then we keep driving and we keep pointing out different things along the way that had a shared memory from when I was a kid uh, and then also other memories that I had as I got older. And it was just kind of a weird thought to me, a crazy reality, a realization that, oh, this is like my drive from home to work. One street that I, I did a lot of life on since I was really, really young. And then the other day, Bethany and I even just went, we went the other direction, which we never do, <laughs> uh, down the street to go take our van to get new tires, that discount tire. And I was like, oh, there used to be a Bashes right here. I stole a donut from it one time in seventh grade and I stuck it in my pocket. And when I took it out, it had pocket lint all over it and I didn't even want it anymore. It was like the stupidest thing I'd ever done. I felt really bad. And, uh, and then she had memories of that too. Like she didn't live in that area, but her, her parents would come and, and take them to that area. There was a bookstore there they would frequent. So just all these kind of shared memories. And I realized there's a huge beauty and gift and being present in one place for a long, steady amount of time. Now, hear me too. Uh, there's also a beauty and a gift and being sent to other places as well, right? And so not everyone here uh, grew up in Phoenix. And most people who grew up in Phoenix got wise in July after like their fifth summer. They're like, we're out of here, right? Uh, and every summer, I'll be honest too, I pray like, God, Hawaii maybe? Like, where else might you be calling us? Uh, and he just, he keeps us here and that's okay. Uh, so there's, there's nothing wrong with being sent somewhere. There's nothing wrong with moving into somewhere. But I was in that moment able to appreciate what God has been doing in my life in this long-term, steady, consistent presence in one place. So we've been talking about what we think Jesus wants to see from his church uh, this month. And so we started with a tight-knit community. So in the face of a culture that is full of individualism and tribalism, what does it look like for a community of very different people to be united around one thing, Jesus, to be empowered by his spirit, and to actually, as we experience the love of Christ, learn to love one another in a similar way, right? So tight-knit community. Then we talked last week about life-forming discipleship. What does it look like for that tight-knit community now to begin to orient their rhythms and patterns and practices of life in a way where we're being formed and shaped together in the ways of the Lord. Not being deformed by the ways of the world, but being in a place where we're allowing the spirit to transform us and renew our minds so that we could look more and more like his perfect son, Jesus. And this week, I wanna explore this idea of a locally rooted presence a locally rooted presence, that the God of the universe who created all things, who flung the planets into orbit and formed the stars in the sky, that that God actually cares about 
the very small locality of your neighborhood, of your home, of your workplace, of your school, of your city, right? And that he cares so much about that, in fact, that he is mobilizing you and I, his body, to be present there. And so again, I want that caveat. If any of you are thinking right now about moving, <laughs> you have some like jobs you're exploring, you have some other stuff going on, maybe you feel the spirit is calling you somewhere. I just want to say, we're not saying you can't do that, right? <laughs> That's not the goal of today's message. Uh, the goal of today, of our conversation today is while you are where God has you right now, how can you be present? And I think what we see in Acts 2 here. Uh, And this one maybe didn't leap off the page as obvious as some of the others. But what we see is that every single day they're meeting in the temple courts. And this would have been kind of more like a marketplace type of idea outside of the temple in the court area. There would have been a lot of people there. And so every single day, this community of people were gathering together to learn and to worship. And as people saw them, they started to recognize there's something distinct about them. Every single day, they also went into each other's houses, it says. Now, I want us to think about like what their lives looked before this moment. Because most likely, it was radically different from what Acts 2 describes is happening in this instant. So all of a sudden, these people who have known them, their family, their friends, their community, their neighbors, they're seeing now these people hang out with people they wouldn't have hung out with before. They're seeing them spend their time much differently than they had spent it before. And it's all happening right there in the same location day after day after day in the temple courts and in each other's homes in the neighborhoods. Now, again, we know as Acts goes on, it doesn't take long for them to start being sent out, right? Like they start sending people out so that other people outside of Jerusalem can hear the good news of Jesus and that they could form communities there. But here's the reality is the amount of people who stayed versus the amount of people who were sent, uh, the ratio is, is much more in favor of those who stayed. We read all about Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles or to the other nations throughout the books of the book of Acts. And he's sent, he goes out and he's sharing good news from town to town to town, from region to region. But we also remember people like Peter and James who stayed in Jerusalem, that they continued to stay and build up this church that was sending people out. And so there's a both and that happens here. But even when Paul goes out to these other places, What he does is he raises up people who are local to that region as leaders and servants of this new community before he leaves. And he asks those people to stay, right? To stay present where they are. And I think this is actually something we see modeled through Jesus, that Jesus often was going around from town to town, but as he shared good news with people, sometimes people would come and follow him and it would grow in numbers, his, his entourage. But oftentimes he was like dismissing the crowds with saying things really weird so that they wouldn't follow him. Uh, but one-on-one, many times he would say, hey, I want you to go and I want you to share with your neighbors, with your family, with the people in your city about what you've just experienced. 
There's a guy in John who was healed from being possessed by a demon and Jesus heals him. And the guy says, I wanna come with you. He actually pleads, let me come with you. I wanna join your, your crew. I wanna be one of your disciples. And Jesus tells him, no, go back and tell everyone what just happened. Let them see the difference in you now. That would actually serve my mission much better is if these people who knew you to be crazy, out of your mind, possessed by some kind of evil spirit your entire life, suddenly saw you in your right mind and living in a drastically different way than you ever have before. Stay, be present. Let people see what has transpired in your life. The woman at the well, what does she do? She goes back into her village. She goes back into her town and she starts sharing with people. Let me tell you about a man who told me everything I ever did in my life. Come and see, right? And so then Jesus enters into the town and she brings people to him. And people are like, we, we know this woman. We know how she's been outcast from society because she's been with man after man after man. And yet here's this Jewish man who wouldn't have hung out with our Samaritan people, let alone women, right? Uh, and, and he's accepting her. Let's go see what's going on. Then Jesus and his disciples leave. The woman stays there in her town, a changed person, starting to be a part of the change of the people around them. This was a pattern that Jesus would have as he went from place to place. And so Paul did a similar thing. He would go in and he would share the good news and he would start raising people up to follow in the ways of Jesus. And then he would leave to go do it in another place. But those people who were there local, the indigenous people, they would stay and they would continue to grow and build a community of Jesus followers. Uh, my friend, Kevin Platt, he's a pastor at Missio de Mesa. He tells me the story of trying to grow a peach tree in his backyard. Now, has anyone ever successfully grown a peach tree in Phoenix? He's got a giant hole in his backyard to prove to you how difficult it is, right? So uh, trying to grow a peach tree and what that took was a whole lot of resources and effort and time because it doesn't actually naturally grow in the hard soil of Arizona, like that's not where peach trees are, are indigenous to. And so he was talking about, but I was taking a walk through Mesa where he lives and, and he started seeing these mesquite trees everywhere. These little mesquite trees all over. And he started to kind of grow an appreciation for the beauty of those and how those just sprout up because it's, it's natural here. Those will actually grow much easier and naturally with much less resources, much less effort, much less time. And I think oftentimes what happens is we see uh, something happening on the other side of the world and we see something happening in another part of the country and we go, we need that here, right? Or maybe we go and we, we just move there, but we, we see this other thing and we try to emulate it here. When our church first joined this network of churches called Soma Communities, which is Greek for body, uh, I went and took a trip to Tacoma, Washington, where they started that. And I got to hang out with them there. Bethany came and joined me partway through the trip. And we got to go and visit these other missional communities and be in people's homes and see some of the work that's happening there. Well, it was very common for other people to come into that setting and go, we need to do this back home. 
We need to take what's happening here in Tacoma, Washington, and we need to replicate that over here in Boise, Idaho, or in Branson, Missouri, or in Phoenix, Arizona, you name it. And, and let's just do exactly what they're doing and follow that formula. And that's like trying to plant a peach tree in the desert, right? So we're not trying to do that with Acts 2 here. Oh, we need to go into the, the temple. We don't have one of those, so let's go to the fellowship hall here every day, right? And let's, let's do all the exact same practices. That's not the goal. But the goal is to see how the Spirit is at work in all these local places, And what's amazing, it's the same spirit on the same mission of restoring people into relationship with God. And he's doing it in vastly different ways all over the world because he knows that it's different in this area than it is over here. And he's really good at contextualizing and he's really good at knowing his people. And he's really good at saying, this is how they need to hear the good news here. And if we would allow the spirit to work through us as mesquite trees and stop trying to be peach trees, I think it would be more fruitful. No pun intended. But we would actually see more life grow through that. What does God want to do here in our specific location, in our city? What does he want to do through Missio Day, Phoenix, this small group of people here on 35th Avenue in Sweetwater? Well, what does he want to do in this neighborhood around us, right? And so there's invitation into, God, how do you want us to be present here and now in this location? Again, not to say you can never move away now, but as long as God has you here today, tomorrow, how can we be more faithfully present in that moment and in that place? I think a great example of that is found in Jeremiah 29. If you want to turn there with me, We'll look at Jeremiah 29, verses four through seven. And for some context, real quick, what's happening here is that Jeremiah, he's a prophet of God. So not that he would tell the future all the time, right? That's often what we think of prophecy. And sometimes there is some future stuff told, but really it was when God had a message he wanted to give to his people, he would partner with a regular human, like an ordinary man or woman. And he would speak through them a message to the people around them. Usually it was a message of like, hey, you're messing this up, turn and repent, right? It wasn't always like the great thing you wanted to hear. But in this instance, what's happening is Jeremiah is coming to the people of Israel. And he's saying, hey, because of our sins, because we have worshiped other gods and not the true God, God is going to allow this nation of Babylon to come in and capture us, to take us into captivity. and We'll be slaves in the land of Babylon. Get prepared. And people didn't want to hear that message. No, 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 we're doing great. We're, we're amazing. We're awesome. Let's pat ourselves on the back more. And so there were false prophets who would keep telling them, don't listen to Jeremiah. God loves us. God's very pleased with us. You do you, right? And so Jeremiah's message was, no, no, no. This is coming, whether you like it or not, whether you want to admit it or not. God wants you to be prepared. How do you live faithfully in captivity in Babylon? You're about to be taken from your home. You're not choosing to go to Babylon. It's not what you would have wanted for your life. It's not your homeland. But while you're there, have a locally rooted presence in the city of Babylon. This is what he tells him. Verse four. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says to all the exiles I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. Who who sent them, by the way? God saying he deported them. (laughs) to Babylon. 
Verse five, build houses and live in them. All right, don't live out of your suitcase. Don't get ready to go. Like, this is temporary. This is not my home. No, no, build homes. Live there. He says, plant gardens and eat their produce. If you guys know gardening, which I don't, other than that peach tree story I just told, uh, it takes a long time. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of intentionality. And it takes seasons before you start to see produce. He's saying, settle in. Plant gardens for the seasons to come. And not just for you, but for the people around you. Eat the produce. Verse six, find wives for yourselves and have sons and daughters. This is long-term stuff right here. How, how long is marriage meant to be in God's eyes? Right? Find wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Like you're gonna have a family here. You're gonna build your family here. Verse seven, pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf for when it thrives, you will thrive. Listen, there might be someone in this room who's like, the plan was never Phoenix, right? There might be someone in this room who's like, I can't wait till I get out of Phoenix. Maybe let's just make it more local. Some of you in this room are like, the plan was never this job I'm doing right now until I find another job. Should I grab this microphone, Patrick? Check. All right. I can't wait until I find another job and I get out of this one, right? Maybe the, some of you are like, school. You know, we got, we got a lot of eighth graders sitting in this room. And then some others who are maybe looking at getting out of high school soon. So while God has had you at your school for this season, he has called you to be faithful, faithful there. Next year, you're going to be in a whole different school, some of you in this room. So you have kind of this view of like, okay, I, this is temporary. I'm going to get out of here. But God still has you there for a few more months. What does he want to do in those next few months? What does he want to do in your life next year for the next four years at that new school? Go ahead, Connor. They all go to the same school, so you can tell uh, what's, what's kind of the, the atmosphere there right now. <laughs> Try not to be mad at other students for their choices. That's great. Yeah, to, to be a presence of kindness, to be a presence of intentionality. You mentioned, like, he wants us to get a good education, to be intentional and in entering into what you're doing there, right? Whether it's your school, and you're like, this is not what I would have chosen. Your neighborhood, I wouldn't have chosen this. Your workplace, I would not have chosen this, right? The city, I wouldn't have chosen this. If, it, if it's any of those things, listen, Israel did not choose Babylon. God put them there for a reason, for a specific time. And yes, it was a discipline to Israel for failing to live in his ways, but what was the thing they were supposed to do? Be a light to the nations, so what God did is he accomplished his mission of them being a light to the nations when they wouldn't do it by bringing them into the other nation. Now, now Babylon will see how good 
this God is, right? God has you where you are in this season of life for a reason. God has a particular people in a particular place at a particular time as part of his whole entire mission of restoring the cosmos, the whole universe. And you and I get to play a small part in that right here today in the West Valley of the greater Metro Phoenix area. What, what is God wanting to do through you in your workplace, through you in your school, through you in your home or your neighborhood? Because God cares very much, the God who is global, the God who is cosmic, the God who is over all the universe cares very much about this specific place and time. It fits into the whole of his mission and the whole of his work. Let's look at Jesus as our example. The God who was there at the beginning, the beginning of John tells us, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Nothing came into being except for through him and by him. And he's speaking of Jesus. This is the Jesus who is over all of creation, the king of the universe. And how does he enter in? He comes as a small human, but to a very specific people and place. Born to a specific woman at a specific time point in history in the specific small city of Bethlehem. And he ends up living in that region for 30 years before he starts traveling around and sharing the good news of the kingdom. The God of the universe made himself local. And listen, that same God is making himself local through you and I now. Because as Jesus then went to the cross and gave his life on our behalf so that we could be freed from our sins, so that we could find the newness of life, so that we could be changed, he then sends us back into our communities and says, go and show the people. Show them how different you are now. And he gives us his spirit so that we could continue to be the body of Christ, physically present, locally rooted. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about that sending part of that, right? For those of you who are feeling, I think I'm called to Hawaii as a missionary. Let's talk about that one. But uh, that, that's a reality too. But for today, he has us rooted here. How can we be faithfully present as the body of Christ so that people experience the good news of salvation through Jesus? As they see us, a light on the hill, that the city would go, oh, there's something different here. That the city would have a tangible, physical expression of the saving work of Jesus in their midst. Would you guys pray with me that we would be able to do that through God's power, his spirit at work in us. Father, we ask that you would do a work through us today, this coming week, this year, ongoing, God, that you would continue to be present in this place, the West Valley of Phoenix. You would be present here through your body, which you have said is us, your people. God, that your spirit would be at work in each and every single one of us so that the communities around us would experience the goodness of God so that they would come and see the good news, that they too are welcomed into the newness of life. 
God, help us to not just uh, get through our schedules and our routines and our days, but to intentionally enter in as you intentionally entered into creation. To intentionally, God, in your power and in your spirit, be present in our workplaces, in our schools, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. That our homes wouldn't just be our place of solitude and comfort, but a place where people can see we were in each other's homes and opening up to others, eating with other people. God, that our workplaces wouldn't just be a means to an end of how we pay our bills, but God, that they would actually be an opportunity for us to enter in as workers who worship, to enter in as people who display a God who is at work for us, to enter in faithfully, loving our coworkers, our bosses, the people who work under us in ways that doesn't typically happen in those spaces so that people would see you. God, that we wouldn't just see our schools as something we got to get through until the summer comes. As people, we just have to put up with. As a test, we just have to pass. But that, God, it would be a space where you are present through even these students as they see the Spirit of God on them, as they intentionally love staff members and teachers and classmates. God, we need your power to do all this. And so we ask your spirit to fill us to be the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.